Ivan in person this morning. And we are here to proclaim the gospel in our city of Tuscaloosa, in our county of Tuscaloosa, to our state of Alabama, the southeast, and the nations. And that's what we will be faithful doing because of broadcast you're able to partake of us this morning. But we're declaring it. It's in the, it's in the airwaves now. And uh, I want to minister to you this morning what I was on when I left about how to get hooked up with heaven. Get hooked up with heaven. And it's going to be different this morning, different than you've ever heard me. But I want to talk about the truth that you know liberates. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. The truth you know sets you free. So we could condense that and say the truth you know liberates. Anybody in there, in here want to be liberated? Sometimes we get set free from stuff we didn't even know we were in bondage about. If you listen to people uh, during this time of COVID and uh, uncertainty, uh, somebody in my family asked me today, says, I, I don't know, we'll ever get through this. You know, that sort of thing. Well, of course we will. We're already through it. I said, we're already through it. Amen. What we're doing is for other people. Amen. We're cooperating, so we don't want to be weird. So we want to get hooked up with heaven. And Ephesians chapter 1, uh, yes, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory... Listen, look, look, may give unto you, give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So let's just put, if you put your hand on your heart or on your ear or whatever you do, say, Lord, I would say, Father of glory, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Well, that's real. That's real. So wisdom, uh, if you look it up, it's defined to me in ways. Uh, I looked in Proverbs chapter 3 about wisdom. Uh, and it says in verse 13, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. Happy. What are you after if you're not after to be happy? To be with your grand sugars, to be able to pay all your bills, to be able to not have an outdoor plumbing. Think about that and see how happy you get. Yay. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding for the merchandise or the profit of getting wisdom and understanding is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She, wisdom, is more precious than rubies. And all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Now, what if the Bible was true? Just, just take that as a shot. What if the Bible was true? Right there, you set your priorities, isn't it? It's like, okay, if I'm going to believe God, I got to get after what he says I should get after Length of days, he describes the benefits, is in her right hand. So that's first. Your right hand is foremost. And in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. So we go back to Ephesians where it says... Uh, uh, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, wisdom, like I said, it's a lot of definitions, but really it's supreme intelligence. Wisdom's just when you know more than other people know, know more than you used to know. It's supreme counsel. There's two ways. There's a fork in the road. Which way do we go? Wisdom will tell you, this, go this way. I tell Deborah Ann, I'm telling you, I am through backtracking in my life. I am, I am slowing down and saying, the times are precious, my time is precious, and I'm tired. I'm, I'm weary of backing up and redoing. You just waste everything. Everything that's invested in that decision, you got to back up, and it's time, it's money, it's energy, and then get off on the right track that you could have been, should have been all along. 
I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to do it right the first time now. Get it right. Foolishness, youthfulness, all that stuff's involved in just being headstrong and going out and just saying, let's do that. And then having to back up. Um, so wisdom is when you research options, heavenly options. You research those. They say, God, there's a left way, there's a right way, there's an up way and a down way. I'm going to find out which way. Which way would be expedient for me to go? So it's an option thing. It's not that one is bad, one is good necessarily, but it's one that is supreme in profit or increase. But revelation, I, I tell you, I love revelation. One thing we say around here is that you, uh, you can't get revelation from somebody else. You can get wisdom from other people. This morning, I hope, I, I endeavor that you will receive wisdom on what to do. You'll, have, you'll be able to be more equipped to have, have the options be right. But revelation is a suddenly. Revelation reveals the end and the finish of a thing. Suddenly, you just know. There's nothing to research. You just know. It's personal. What might be revelation for me might be wisdom to you, but not necessarily even the best. Revelation is what we're after. And you know, uh, uh, the Lord Jesus said, flesh and blood, Peter, has not revealed this unto you, but my Father in heaven. So that's what we're after. Revelation, Father in heaven information. So the, the wisdom is static. It stays the same. I mean, static. It, it's for you. It's, it's a choice. It's an option. But uh, revelation is fluid. It, it can, every situation you have to have revelation on. You had to have revelation. It may have been wisdom for you to come to River Church, but now it's revelation. It's why you would stay because you, you have it revealed. So I want to go through some things this morning that's different than I've ever done. Uh, I usually give Barry a card like this with scriptures that go almost to the bottom. This morning he has front and back. <laughs> so we may not get to the end of it, but I want to, I found this in my notes from years and years and years ago. And uh, some of it was not just right, but I got it just right this morning. So I want to just drop nuggets of wisdom in your life in the endeavor that you'll have revelation, that you'll see it. Wisdom is when you look at it. Revelation is when you see it. Wisdom is one time you tithe and you said, well, this is wisdom because I owe God. And if I don't, like somebody told me the other day, if you don't tithe, you'll be sorry. No, that's not how it works at all. So um, turn with me to Psalm chapter 16, if you would, please. Let's make a confession. Psalm 16, let's make a confession. Now, this morning, we got so many scriptures that Barry's going to, bless his heart, he's going to try to get them all up. <laughs> so we're, just, we're not going to turn to every scripture because we will not get through this morning uh, on time. So we're just going to look at the board, but then there's some scriptures we're going to look at. Chapter 16, verse 5 of the 16th Psalm. Let's read verse uh, 5 through 9 together. Ready? Read. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance, and of my cup thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, I have a goodly inheritance. I will bless the Lord, who hath given me counsel, my reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. That's a good confession. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Um, that's... that's uh, that just means prosperous. Let me read it in the New Living. It says, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. 
The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. Could we amen right there? Yes. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. COVID, downturn, 911. No wonder my heart is glad and I will rejoice. My body rests in safety. Now, I brought my favorite version now, the Passion, and I was going to read a little dab out of that. Lord, I have chosen you alone as my inheritance. You are my prize, my pleasure, and my portion. I leave my destiny and its timing in your hands. I leave my desti destiny and its timing in your hands. Your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. I'm overwhelmed by the privileges that come with following you, for you have given me the best. The, the way you counsel and correct me makes me praise you more. For your whispers in the night give me wisdom, showing me what to do next. Yay. Because you are close to me and always available, my confidence will never be shaken. For I experience your wraparound presence every moment. Verse 9. My heart and soul explode with joy, full of glory. Even my body will rest confident and secure. Amen. So you could put a little star by that in your Bible and say, we could read this every day or every few days. Uh, Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Arise, shine, for thy light is come. Circumstances... And certainly now, people in this particular time we're in, but not much different than other times. This just has more universal, this corona, COVID thing. It's more universal, but people have different troubles every day. It's not like, well, before the COVID, I was, I was trouble-free. No, you weren't. Nobody believes you. Uh, circumstances say, this is your end. Harder times are ahead, and struggle is inevitable. This is what the world, I talk to my kin folks on the phone, I talk to other people, and they are always talking about the inevitable struggle ahead with their job, with their children, with their uh, everything. But the word says at the end, at the end, at the end, you'll have a new beginning at a higher level. It's different. It's the, is the glass half empty or half full? It's all the way full. My cup runneth over. Hallelujah. We look at that. Remember this scripture in 2 Kings 7, verse 1, where the Samaritans are uh, locked up and there's no food. And the prophet says, uh, he says, about this time, tomorrow, you shall. Y'all remember what it says after that? You shall, uh, a, a, a deal of flour and a deal of fine flour will be sold for this. It'll be plenty. So I want to ask you and I have a question this morning. Because it says about this time tomorrow, and they had to wait till tomorrow to find out how it happened. But the truth is, is it happened, didn't it? In the old covenant. But so we have to say, because we're faith people, and we can know what God's doing. Say it with me. I can know what God is doing. Again, I can know what God is doing. Even in the Old Testament, he says, I'll not do anything without telling the prophets. Well, so much more Holy Ghost inside. Now, I, I want to tell you, he's not a BB in a shoebox just rattling around in there. The Bible says you and I, the, your spirit and the Holy Spirit move together. We're like scrambled eggs. No sunny side up here. We're scrambled. You can't get it, him and you separated. So it, it's not like, well, he might leave. Well, he can't leave because you're with him. And uh, he, he will not deny himself because he's in you and of you. So uh, what are you going to have about this time tomorrow? Now consider what I'm saying. What are you going to have about this time tomorrow? Well, I don't know. It could go anyway. That's not who we are. That's not who we read even in Psalms. I'll tell you, you can know what's going to happen, what you're going to do, what you're going to be uh, uh, doing about this time tomorrow. You can know. 
Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We set the course. We declare it. Well, you never know what God's going to do. Sure you do. Sure you do. He tells us explicitly. And he tells us that if you'll pray in the Holy Ghost, all things work together for good. So I, I hope nothing bad happens to me. Just set your course. So you've got to look deep, though, don't you? It's not on the surface. What's on the surface? Our head's on the surface. Taking in all this information and lining it up with past experiences. Well, the last time that happened, this happened. Therefore, and it's what comes after the word therefore that gets you in trouble. Well, the last time that happened, it wasn't good. But this time, it won't happen. So you got to look deep. Because the will of God for about this time tomorrow has always been there. But if you don't know it's there, you won't look for it. You won't stop. We got to stop. Stop our busy lives. That's, you know, I, I'll tell you the truth. We were gone 18 days and didn't go to church not one, one time. <gasps> church is inside. Now, you can take that too far and say, well, it's inside. I'll never go to church. You're wrong. But nevertheless, I'm just telling you, you can't be religious. You can't, you can't be something based on where you are and who you're with. We always have a bridge. He never leaves us or forsakes us. So you got to find the truth about tomorrow. you got to find. you got to stop your busy life. I have to stop my life, and, and that's one reason the Sabbath. Now, we're not under the Sabbath law. That was the Old Testament. There's still churches like the Adventists and uh, uh, I don't know who else that say, well, it's the Sabbath. We're going to meet on Saturday. Well, knock yourself out. We, it doesn't matter. You can, be, you can have a Tuesday Sabbath if you want one. But the point is, and if you work on Sundays, you've got to have another Sabbath. I, I used to take Mondays off, and then I started taking Fridays off because I, I won't say I was working on Sunday, but I was certainly on point. So it was just my day to stop and meditate, just to stop and meditate and say, what's, what's going to happen tomorrow? Literally in the near future. What's going to happen? Get me where, Lord, show me what's going to happen so I can be prepared, so I can agree, so I can fund it or be instrumental with it, or I can, I can know there's trouble coming and how to avoid it. So uh, uh, when we find out what's tomorrow, we only say that. We don't say, I hope I don't get the COVID or I, the corona or whatever. I hope you don't too, but you can know. I know this is bold preaching, but if they could know in the Old Testament, if a prophet of God could know about this time tomorrow, everything's going to be completely different. You and I can know, Holy Ghost man, Holy Ghost woman. You can know, you can know he's not got secrets from you. He's got secrets for you. Amen. So uh, I say rejoice. I say, you know, ooh, I'm having a good month. We're, when we pray we, uh, at the church, we always pray for a real good month at River Church. Uh, spiritually, numerically, financially. We just declare it. We set the boundaries. We set the markers. Well, you should too. The only way you could lose your job is if you knew you were going to change jobs or you were going to get set back in at a higher rate. There is no decrease. There's never any, you never know what the Lord's going to do. Come on. Amen. Let's go on. I got lots to go here. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. I'm going to read that. It's in the King James. You know, I'm not sure how to pace myself exactly here because I've never, I've never done this exactly like. Be not deceived. Point to yourself with me and say it with me. Be not deceived. Now, what does that mean? He said, God is not mocked. He's not ridiculed. You can't make fun of God for being inconsistent, being wishy-washy, being off the wall. You never know what God's going to do. Be not deceived, God, or led astray, seduced. God is not mocked. Here it is. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So point yourself with me in first person and say, Whatsoever I soweth, that shall I also reap. Now, that's gravity. That's sun coming up on the east and setting in the west. 
something that never, ever changes. This is, this is indisputable. This is not a, this is not controversial. This is not uh, uh, something you might not know. The Amplified says, be not deceived and deluded and misled. God will not allow himself to be sneered, disdained, or mocked by mere pretensions or professions or by his precepts being set aside. It's locked. He inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. For whatever a man soweth, that and that only is what he will reap. Now people say, why did this happen to me? Well, why is God, God mad at me? I, I gave in the offering uh, or whatever. I, this should be good. It only happens exactly as we sowed. Our life is the result of our life. So I'm trying to sow differently than I used to. I've, I've, uh, we taught a series on generosity, and it impacted me greatly as I began to study it. And I said, I'm going to be generous. We'd, we'd be in the hotel rooms. I've never tipped a maid because I don't see them, and they don't do anything for me or whatever, and it's in the cost of the whatever. But I read somewhere that how much it means to maids, how much they make and how hard it is, and it is challenging. So this whole trip, or about halfway through, I started leaving money under the pillow. They say if you just put it out, they have to turn it in. But if you put it under the pillow, they get to keep it. I got more joy. I'm, I'm just talking $3, $5. I'm not talking like loading them up, paying for the kids to go through college or anything. And it just thrilled me to be generous in that regard. Never would see the maid, and they never knew who did it, but just in the kingdom moving my life along, wanting a harvest of someone to be generous to me that doesn't know me, doesn't, doesn't have any regard for me, but just to be generous to me. And I caught. I caught. You know, you go, well, yeah. Well, y'all may have been doing it for years, but I just, this trip, caught to be generous with a chambermaid or whatever you... What, I don't want to delude them or anything. But... Uh, Whatsoever a man sows, that and that only is what he shall reap. So you don't, we don't like our life. We're like, this is disappointing. This is a struggle. Well, we got to change what we sow because that's exactly what we're having. Amen. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Now let's go through some, let's go through some truths here. Truth number one, God is not deciding our lives on individual basis. He's not saying, you know, that's not the way we usually do it, because, but this will work out. Uh, his laws are unchangeable. There's no exceptions. Well, you know, it's going to look bad in the church, and, you know, God doesn't want his church to look bad, so he's just going to look over that. Nope. All of it comes out, doesn't it? The good, the bad, and the ugly. So uh, his laws are unchangeable, so here's the key. I change. Say it with me. I change. If I don't like my harvest, I change. If I don't like my life, don't like my finances, don't like my relationships, I change. I've been going through a relational thing the last two years, and I've decided if I want more friends, and I do, I'm very relational. It's the key to all life is relationships. If you don't have relationships, you don't have a life. You're just passing through. And so uh, I've been sowing. I've been calling. I've been sending. I've been uh, writing, texting people and just saying, what a blessing you are in my life. And I mean it. It's not like I'm trying to get something. I, and, and I have noticed, I have noticed that people now are calling me and writing me and sending me. I, I got a, I've got two $500 checks in the last six weeks just Boom. One, one came out of Texas, one came out of Alabama, just like boom. We love you, we appreciate you, we, we want to be in your life, and then, you know, that's sweet, but $500, how sweet it is. <laughs> you go, well, why don't I get them? Well, I didn't used to get them, but I started putting down and started increasing, start being aware of people around me. Can't go on that. Uh, God has prepared a season for every one of us in this room. 
He has prepared, not just come up with one and dealt them like cards in a rummy game. He has prepared a season for you. He has prepared, articulated, and, and funded a season for you, and you can know it. I can know it. I can know it, and I can cooperate with it. Now, the means through any kind of uh, situation or uh, uh, season is that sometimes we don't like the process. When, when we were raising our children, uh, if, they, if they dared to talk back to us, if they dared to disobey, I mean, we didn't cut their ears off or anything, but we, but we, we had the, the handy paddle, and we just fanned it. Well, the grandparents, if they were there, because we didn't just say, you know, when, when they leave, you're going to get it. We just jerked them up and took them to the bathroom, and, you know, there was wailing and gnashing teeth, and, you know, when they come out, they come out. <laughs> Nothing happened back there. <laughs> And so grandparents, they would criticize us and say, oh, we think y'all are too hard on them. But they like our sons now. And they like the grandkids now because it just keeps going down. And, but the method or the season to get there was challenging. Consistency was so important. Uh, every promotion in your life has a custom-made opportunity to acquire it. So there's a way to get into the opportunity that God has prepared for you. Say, he's got one for me. Now, that's the truth. He's got an opportunity for you, for promotion, for increase, for favor, for, uh, for rest. There's an opportunity. And you and I, when we just look, go through life, we say, there is no way this is going to change. Well, he does have one, but you have to cooperate with him. You have to do it his way. You might have to give something to the hotel maid to get things going in the realm. You do what you know to do to, to have what you don't know to do or to have. Uh, passionate sewing, listen to this, passionate sewing always exacts or produces an on-time harvest of more than enough. Let me read that again. A passionate Sowing always, every time and without fail, produces an on-time harvest of more than enough. You don't have more than enough, you just have enough. Well, God supplies all your need. That's a good start. Given it and, and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together. That's good. That's good. Meeting your need is good. But exceeding abundantly above what you could ask is who we are. So we're living in a realm that's not really us. It's who we were versus who we are. And you just, you know, nobody likes to be around somebody that always lives in the past. You know, they lost their dog, and two years later, you're still hearing about, you know, Jeff the dog that, that was such a blessing. Well, of course he was, and we're glad, but it's time to move on. He's not coming back. I may have stepped over the line there, but that's how we do it. Uh, to increase your life. Does anybody want to know how to increase your life? Increase your life. It, then to increase your life is to commit to the precious purpose of your life. You've got to find your purpose and commit to it. I've been in churches. I've had churches and uh, we've had people that just love to sing, just love to sing, but they, they sing like I did. I, I didn't want to sing, but they did, and, and it was a croak. <laughs> but they had other things they did not do because they were not precious. Well, once we got her, this particular woman got her off on to cleaning, which she just, she just, I'm just telling you, it was good. Then she started excelling in her life. Things started coming. Doors started opening. Events started coming her way after she got off the singing thing. For example, you must discover a time to publicly be passionate beyond yourself. you got to find something that's in somebody else. And you got to get all lathered up about it. We all get excited when something happens to 
me. But when's the last time that you just got down and just rejoiced and danced and hollered with somebody else over their victory? If you want a victory in your life, you've got to get passionate about it in somebody else's life. You go, well, I never knew that. Well, we can start now. It'll be wisdom to you, or if the Lord speaks to your heart this morning, it'll be revelation. In John 5, 4, it says, An angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now we look at that and say, wow, could we just be in those days? We're in those days. Nothing was better then than it is now. Anything that you see in the Word is the minimum. The works I do shall you do, and greater works than I shall you do, because I go to the Father. So we're even beyond, and I want to be careful here, we're beyond what the Lord Jesus did. He was limited by the covenant that he lived in, the old covenant. But he said, we're free. We're, we're absolutely. So I'll ask you this morning, is your ready ready? That's one of my favorite terms anymore. I, I got that several years ago. Is your ready ready for when the water that you and I are laying by is troubled? When the season opens up, will you be standing there at the door ready for your season? Is your ready ready? Amen. Get ready. Get ready. Come on, help me. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready for when the waters are going to be troubled. Get ready. Be qualified. Don't say, well, golly, if I'd known that was going to happen, I'd have, you know, I'd have taken better care of myself or whatever that is. Luke 14.30, the Bible says, of, of uh, Jesus is telling story, he said, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Do you all remember that story? Well... You know that preparation in the word and in prayer is never wasted. I somewhat am challenged by finding and giving and appointing time for those things. And it's to my own detriment that I go off and be like uh, Martha and do things instead of sitting at the feet of Jesus. I'm just admitting it that I've always struggled with that, but it's, it's the key to life and it's probably been... Uh, hard on some things in my life because I just got up and that's the kind of person I've always been. Got, got up and went and did something instead of just settled down and stayed and prepared. Yeah. Preparation time is never wasted time. So we're going to change that. Romans chapter 4. Oh, I love Romans chapter 4, don't you? We're going to look at Abraham in, in verse 20. I'm just moving real fast. It says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Point to yourself with me and say, I stagger not at the promise of God through unbelief. Again, I stagger not at the promise of God through unbelief. I listened to a video this week. I didn't get it all listened, and I'll bring it back to you. But it was, some, it was two guys that were in a uh, religious setting, really, and they were talking about why you should not listen to Bethel music or Hillsong or Kenneth Copeland music. And they said, the point being here is that if you sing these catchy songs, then the words might get on you and you'll be curious to find out what it means to be a new creation in Christ. And as he is, so are you in this world. And uh, the wind and the waves obey him. That stuff will get on you and you might be misled and seduced to think that stuff is true. So don't listen to the music because it'll get on you. That Bill Johnson stuff is what they said. That Bill Johnson stuff, why? And they listed a whole bunch of things, and I'm not through with it, but I'm going to find it, and I'm going to tell you. Everything that he, they, they, they said, listen to this. This is what they believe. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I said, wow, they believe Jesus was, uh, uh, Bill Johnson said, Jesus was the most normal Christian that's ever lived. And uh, they said, can you imagine? They made Jesus a mere man. They said that he was just like, a, like us and that, that he went into the earth and, was, and, and gave up without his divinity and he paid a price for man down there. And they just were going off and they're like, no way. Yeah, yeah, they sing it, they say it. <laughs> Amen. 
So he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded, fully persuaded, fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able to perform. Yay. Is your ready ready? Preparation in the word is never wasted. I like this one in Second uh, Corinthians 9, 3. We're still talking about is you ready, ready. The word says in verse 3, Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready. He's talking about a church preparing a gift for people, and he said uh, when it gets time to administer that gift, we want to make sure that you don't go, well... The air conditioner went out down at the temple, and we, we spent that money. He said, I send in somebody to make sure that you're ready. Always ready always has faith to spare. I said ready always has faith to spare. Ready always has faith to spare. Amen. Philippians 1.6. This is different this whole morning. The Bible says in verse 6, being confident of this very thing. What very thing? that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it into the day of Jesus Christ. Now, here's a key. Here's a wisdom nugget. You'll never say it's done in your life until you recognize it started. How can you finish something that you don't even know you're started? God's doing a work in every one of you. How do I know? Because he's doing, have, he's doing a work in everybody, every Christian, every Christian, every born-again believer. He's doing a work in them. He can only do as much as they'll let him do. So I'm opening up the door a little wider because I know it's not him that's limited. I know it's not him that says, well, not today. You can't handle much. He knows what you can handle, and he's pouring it out. We like to say it's like trying to pour a 55-gallon drum full of water into a Coke bottle. You're just going to have a lot of waste there. So I'm going to open up and be a mason jar or a, whatever you call those, those big jars. Uh, you will never say it's done until you recognize it's been started. So what if you were called to be a prophet? What if you were uh, called to be an apostle to the nations? But you never even knew that you were supposed to do anything more than just get saved and go to church and be good. And that would describe most Christians. Then you would never recognize that what God was doing in you was started. He's called some of us to way bigger offices than what we're in. Uh, I knew a woman in my church in West Texas. And wow, could she minister to youth. Well, to anybody, but she was powerful. And, uh, but she married a man. And he's a good man. He was a good, good man. But he, he, he was not able to help her go to the next level. And we always said this woman, even though she married a good man, she didn't prepare for what God had prepared her for, and she was limited. Maybe she was supposed to be a Joyce Meyer type. You go, well, gosh, I, I had no idea, so I married him. Or I went to this little town and... On and on and on. Have you ever thought about what God's called you to? About this time to tomorrow, you'll have something different. Do you know what it is? In uh, 2 Corinthians 4.18, the Bible says, what does it say? For we look not at things which are seen. We take aim, we take no aim at things which are seen, but at those things which are unseen. So is your ready ready? Uh, have, is something started? It'll be unseen, won't it? I used to, when I was farming, I've told you all this before, I was, I was miserable. I'd got the Holy Ghost, and I didn't have any outlet. I didn't have any way. Uh, to, I was so busy, the farm. And so I would go out in the wheat field or the cotton field or whatever because my dad was always driving by saying, where are you? What, you know, and he wanted me to, he wanted to talk. With so I'd lay down in the wheat field. I'd walk out about a thousand uh, feet and uh, lay down in the wheat field and spend the afternoon with the Lord on my back in this wheat field. And nobody, you know, wheat would be this high. Nobody could see me. And it was some of the mar most marvelous times of my life. 
just asking God, what's the future? What is this all about? This Holy Ghost thing and this farming thing. I love farming, Lord, but I'll do anything you want me to do. Be, be mindful when you say that. He will turn the page. Amen. Acts 21.6 says, When we had taken our leave one of another, we took ship and returned home. I'll tell you this morning that God is programming you and aligning you to a homing signal. He's bringing you to the place to finish right. I'm so glad we're going to go up in the rapture. Could I have a better amen? We're going up in the rapture. But I don't want to just go up doing what I was always doing. I want to be finishing the work that he commanded and imparted to me graces to finish. I want to go up with $1.99. I don't want to go up with a lot of money left on earth. I want to sow it. I want it to be out of my life because that's where the real reward is, is what you did in heaven. I want people to be helped. I don't want to be saying, you know, I'm real busy working on this project or even going on vacation. We're just, we're retired and we're, we, we're, me and mom are going to get us an RV and we're going to travel the nation. Maybe you ought to go to Yellowstone and come back. Amen. Uh, Luke 7, 9 says, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people, I say to you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Now, I want to tell you something prophetically. I've said it before, but Tuscaloosa is a keystone city in Alabama. A keystone is when you build an arch, and all the stones are going to come out of the arch because of gravity until you put that, that funny-shaped stone at the top and in the middle, and it holds them all in there. It's the keystone. Without it, it all falls down. Tuscaloosa is a keystone city in the state of Alabama. Alabama is a keystone state. When I tell people of all the prophecies that God has spoken over all these many years and what he said about little old Alabama, um, back of the line Alabama, barefoot Alabama, dumb as a rock Alabama, whatever, they're just amazed. They, they think we all live in little huts. Just like we used to all think that Texans all had an oil well and a horse. These stereotypes are prolific. But isn't it interesting that God has chosen Alabama and we're like Gideon. We are the least in our father's house who is the least in the tribe who is the least in the family. He's raising us up. Well, we got to get ready. We got we to gotta acknowledge that he's doing something that's beyond convention. Uh, Every Keystone city or church is a church or a city or a people that can put 10,000 people to flight, 10,000 devils to flight, 10,000 troubles to flight. To whom much is given, much is required. When you're a Keystone, you're required. You've got to hold every brick or every stone in that arch. You've got to hold it up because if you're, if you're loosed, the, the thing will fall. So we have people in Tuscaloosa that can put 10,000 to flight. I want to be one of them. I want to be part of that. I want to, this life does not go on forever. It doesn't even go on that much longer for us. I want to get the work done while we're here. John 6, 66 says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Remember, that was the story when Jesus said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's a hard saying, and they said so. This is a hard saying, Lord. Uh, a standard in your life, in your life, Joey, in your life, Annette, in your life, Wendy, a standard in our life is according to the calling, not according to what others can do. A standard, the standard for your life is according to the calling in your life. So if you're called to be a prophet and you just got born again two years before you left the earth, you missed your standard. You may have to study the Bible more than other people. I know singers have to practice more than I do. That is a joke. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's obvious. You may, have to, you may have to know things that other people don't know. 
people that operate in soup kitchens and the compassionate with the poor and help the needy, they are on a different wavelength than someone that's called to speak to the nations. But their reward is just as sure if they're at that soup kitchen or at that place than the man that's supposed to be ministering to the nations. According to the calling on your life, we're going to be judged, not according to what other people's do. people do. You might be the most prolific in this church, but if it's not according to the calling, the standard, you will have missed it. So come up higher. Find it and come up higher. Mark 6.41 says, And when he had taken the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. Now, we've said this many times, but I'm going to say it again this morning. Gratitude, gratitude, thankfulness makes whatever you have enough. I'm the happiest camper on the planet. I can tell you, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm so blessed of the Lord. And yet I've had some tough stuff happen to me, just like you have, like all of us have. But it soured a lot of people. I know people, and you have, and you've certainly heard of others, that when they lost somebody or when uh, their son got on drugs or they lost their job or whatever, their life stopped right there. But there's so much yet to be gracious of, glad of. Uh, you just get up every day and say, I get up sometimes and say, some cities I've been through, I say, oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't live in Kansas. <laughs> That's a joke, but, well, not so much. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for indoor plumbing? Aren't you glad that a light switch works every time? You know, uh, our electric bill is 120 something dollars a month at the house. That's just, what is that? $4 a day. I mean, we're cool at night. We, everything's working in our house for $4 a day. You don't have to work 15 minutes to make $4. And it's just, I'm just so glad. California's having blackouts left and right. They, their power's off and... All sorts of things, and I'm not rejoicing in their demise or their troubles. I'm just saying we're blessed. So gratitude makes whatever you have, turns whatever you have into enough. Amen. Philippians, no, excuse me, Psalm 40, verse 2. I like this scripture. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, you know, there's a song that we used to sing. And set my feet upon a rock, and here it is, and established my goings. So it, it, this right here says that you're only going to go as fast and as far as what's under your feet. If you're in the miry clay, it doesn't matter that you're a, a uh, uh, what's that sprinter that can go and 40 seconds can go so far, and it's just amazing. I forget now, but you, if he's in miry clay instead of a track, if he's got on flip-flops instead of running shoes, he's not going to go as far. So we need to make our path sure. We need to associate with the right people. We need to be hearing the right doctrine. We need to be speaking the right encouragement, because that's what's under our feet, and you're only going to go as fast and as far as what's under your feet. Philippians 1.25, Paul said, And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. For your furtherance of joy and faith. Now here's something you ought to write down, because this will help you someday. Faith cannot be disappointed. Cannot be disappointed. Faith, if you're ever disappointed, you just need to step back and say, I wasn't in faith. Amen? Amen? Faith knows. Faith just knows. It doesn't matter how it's going. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter how it's always been. Faith knows. And faith knows when it's confusion everywhere. Faith is the bright light in the storm. Faith knows. So do you know you're born again this morning? Do you know? I know, I know. And I said, well, you've been a sorry little devil. I, you, you've been acting terrible. It doesn't matter. 
I was drunk in the gutter last night, but I'm born again. Faith knows. It doesn't matter. Well, what else do you know? Well, if you can be disappointed and you need to look, I need to look at things in the last 60 days or longer. When was I devastated? What was I just down and depressed about that that didn't happen? Well, that's life. And in the world, you'll have bad life. It's everywhere. But faith is never disappointed. So if you were ever disappointed, you need to go back and revisit that. Instead of saying, God didn't come through for me, you just need to know you weren't in faith. It's not, it's not condemnation to not be in faith. Just don't think that you were in faith and that God messed up or people messed up. Well, if they'd done what they said they'd do, it wouldn't have messed up. It doesn't matter. Faith just goes past all what people do, what circumstances are. Faith knows. Say it with me. Faith knows. And therefore, faith makes plans. Faith makes plans. It's like, well, you need to wait and see how that's going to go before you take the next step. I know how it's going to go. I'm taking the next step now. Well, it hadn't come to pass yet. It, faith knows and faith makes plans. Just a, little, just a little test there to see if you're in faith. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13. I love this. I love this scripture. Matter of fact, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to look at the whole thing. Is the whole thing up there, Barry? Of course. Well, I'm not up there. 4.13 says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, so he's quoting the Old Testament, we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, what was written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. So he's speaking there of two, two vents, that, two sources out of your mouth. There's the vent or the, the source that comes out of your head. You see what you say, you say what you see, you say what you hear, you say what you think, you say what you've experienced. And it could be completely off the wall. But our mouth has also got another source, which is our faith. And it says that faith has a voice. Faith speaks. Faith speaks. So what are you talking? Are you talking the problem? Well, you're not in faith about it. No condemnation. The whole world's not in faith about almost everything. But you can change that. So he says, we, we, uh, we also believe and therefore speak. Faith will speak. But here's the key, and here's where I've had to change. Stop your head from saying a word until your faith has a voice. Amen. We used to say, well, just confess. I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. That does not do it. No. You've got to confess the promises because that's faith. I mean, that's, uh, that's neutral. By stripes I am healed. That's neutral until you believe it. And then when you believe it, it will have a voice and you'll say, I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what you say. I got this and I have that and I am this. Faith has a voice, but you got to shut your head off until you have a voice. Just a little wisdom things here. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.8. We're right there. I'm going to read that one too. I like this. I like this verse. We are troubled on every side. Could I have a better amen? amen? Yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Amen. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. So who are we? Who are you? Who am I? It's who we believe we are, and, and faith has a voice. So uh, uh, crisis, crisis is anything that is beyond our confidence. Expectation is, uh, disappointment is when you fall short of your expectation. But crisis is when something happens that's beyond your confidence. So things that used to be a crisis to me, financially for instance, are not a crisis for me anymore. What, what brings crisis to your life? Well, it's just something that somebody else will say, that's not a crisis. That's nothing. 
But for you, because you don't have a confidence, it is a crisis. And you have to deal with the consequences of a crisis. Crisis will try to bring you down. Crisis will take you through the fire. Whether you get burned or smell like smoke depends on your confidence. So we would say that you could know your future today. Point to yourself and say it with me. Know your future today. Que sera, sera, what will be, will be. That is a lie from the pit. It is what it is. It is what it is until I say what it is. It is not what it is. Now the sun comes up and you say, well, the sun's just came up. Well, that is what it is. <laughs> but my life and my future are not based on what has been. It's based on what I believe and therefore speak. It's when faith speaks that you change crisis into normal or victory. It's like, ah, that's no big deal, not paying the bills. We've had that happen way more often and not... And God always has the end of it because I'm a covenant man. I'm a covenant person. I, I got this. He's got this. Therefore, I've got this. And uh, lastly, y'all could say amen to that. First John chapter 5. Would you turn there with me? Even if it's on the board, I'm sure it is, but turn there with me. We're going to read it out of your Bible. This is so powerful. Yay. We're coming into one of the most tumultuous seasons of the earth. And that's quite a lot saying that we've been through uh, World War I, Civil War, World War I, the 1918 pandemic, World War II when we were on the brink as Americans of uh, losing our nation. You know, they say if Japan had moved uh, right off of Pearl Harbor and attacked the West Coast that they... I just read this, that, that they're, they're, it could have turned out different. So we've been through some tough stuff, but we're about to come, we're in and we're about to come through the most tumultuous time because the Antichrist knows his time, the devil knows his time, and uh, with great glory, there's going to be great distress. You're going to have to put out the fire to stay in the fire. So verse 14, oh, I tell you, I've got, I got so many things written around this next two verses, I can hardly read it. And this is the confidence. The word there is absolute surety. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, say God's word, according to his will, his character, his nature, he heareth us. Now, this just blows up a lot of bad doctrine. Ah, right. oh, the heavens were brass. No, your head was brass. That's, and if we know, and so you've got to get first, verse 14, in you. I, if I pray according to his will, he heareth me. Now, that's where condemnation comes in. You go like, well, I'm, God's not listening because I've been bad to the bone or I've messed up, or I hadn't been in faith, or I've said this, and I've been mean to that, and I, I've just ignored this and that. I've been backslid, or whatever, and you go, well, nothing's happening because God doesn't hear me. I'm on probation. Uh, most Christians are on probation. They're condemned, and they, they don't think God hears nothing. So what they do is they do the best they can. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we have, verse 14, if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know. I know. Say it with me. I know that I have the petitions that I desired of him. So it goes back. We're tying up this whole little collage of wisdom. You can know the future today. You can know 24 hours out what's going to happen. You can know. You can know when, you're, when your job's in jeopardy, and, but that means something else is opening up. Because we cannot be lowered, decreased. We cannot. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. So period, period, period. You just know nothing bad is going to happen to me. Now, there may be some transition, crisis in the transition, but it's all turning out amazing. All things are working together for good. So we have to get that in us. 
because you'll lose a day. You'll start saying things that are contrary to your faith. Your head will get a, a head start, and it'll start saying, woe is me. Everybody at the plant's getting laid off. Pink slips are everywhere. Wonder what's going to happen to us. We just bought that new car. And, we, you, you know, th- you just start, you just start diarrhea of the mouth, just, just, just junking it out there. And then you have to go out and dig up every single part of that. So if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, whatsoever we ask, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. That's Mark eleven twenty four or uh, 5. So we know there's more out there than what we've been accessing. There's more out there that God wants, not just like, okay, I've got a secret room, but I only let special people in it. And these people that get into my special room that have been really good, never messed up, I do stuff for him. That's us. What's the special access? Born again. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. He is my father. He is my father. He, I am his child and he is my father. He is a good father. When I'm not a good son, I'm still a son and he's still my father. And he gives everything. His desire, he's driven, his purpose through the Lord Jesus is to bless his children. What else is God doing? What else is he doing? Well, he's finding a cure for, for uh, this salmonella thing. Okay, whatever. His job is children. That's your job, isn't it? Isn't it your job? It is. We need to rejoice some more. Would you stand up with me this morning? We're going to rejoice. Now, you can start with that you don't live in Kansas or, or whatever, wherever you came from that you go, dear Lord. Or you can rejoice you got out, you got indoor plumbing. I personally take that one into account. Uh, I went to my grandfather's farm years and years ago, and he had got indoor plumbing, but the outhouse was behind the fence. And I looked in there and I said, oh, my word, that's what you do. That's how, that's where you do it. And I was like, ever since then, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Flushing porcelain. (laughs) And then, then there's hot water. It's not even like water. It's like hot water. And there's not even a bucket that when it fills up, you've got to haul it out and, and, and throw it on the tomatoes. It disappears. <gasps> oh. Where uh, Sunday Guard Joe is in West Liberia, uh, they, they're drinking water out of a stream. They're boiling it, but a lot, a lot, a lot of their people are sick because of that. And so uh, John Smithwick Ministries has developed or procured a filter that they can buy and pump the water, however they do it. And uh, uh, Pastor West and his church and some others are sending money for filters over there, sending the filters. It just makes you like, well, we don't have filters. Well, we're not boiling our water. Well, we're not going down to the river every other day. We're not not taking baths. I smelled every one of you when you came in. You, you were good. So, Lord, we just thank you this morning. We just thank you for your goodness that has given us the best life, days of heaven on earth. And, Lord, we are grateful. And, Lord, our gratitude makes whatever we have enough. I have enough, and if I need more, I'll just be grateful for more because you want to supply all of our need. Thank you, Lord, for being generous with us. Thank you, Lord, for making a way where there was no way. Thank you, Lord, for turning our situation around day by day through people and events that cause us to come out on top every time. Lord, we change this morning because you're not going to. We adjust. We conform to the will and plan of God, to the laws of heaven. We change our ways so that you can do more in us and for us. And we're so glad. Thank you for River Church, Lord. Thank you. We didn't choose anybody in here. You chose everyone. And we're so blessed to be in this family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give our lives to Jesus in a different way, a better way. I know we're born again, filled up with His Spirit, healed, whole, and healthy, full supplied and wealthy. But there's more in your life than just showing up at work, paying your house rent, 
and, uh, and getting enough groceries. There's more to it. And so I, I'm not sure what it is individually, but I know we're called. And we're going to answer that call Amen. in Jesus' name. So I bless you. I bless you online. I bless you online. Let the sound of my voice activate faith in you to receive what God has for you. And in this building, we say, God, you've made us, you've created us, you've assigned us to more than we have right now. And we answer that. We say yes to it. Thank you, Lord, for thinking enough, measuring us enough to call us to the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Let the record show it's eight minutes till 12. <laughs>